This is the Spout Podcast, where famous people spout off about more than what they're famous for. Here's Eric Zachary. Welcome to Spout, where famous people spout off about more than they're famous for. My name is Eric Zachary, and today, a Columbia graduate, a NYU graduate, a uh, PhD candidate. Also, you might know him as the founder and executive director of Sustainable Partners Incorporated. Oh, and this small band that may have had a hit or two called AJR. Adam Matt, hello, sir. What an intro. Wow. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I worked on it. Uh, this is really cool for me. You know, Adam, uh, we've talked probably six or seven times in in the, the realm of AJR quick red carpet interviews, right? Uh, but I don't think you and I have ever gotten the chance to talk one-on-one. So this is this is pretty cool. I'm excited. Me too. Let's do it. Yeah, man. So you're in New York right now, born and raised, and you seem like you're in that city at all times, obviously, given the pandemic as well. Uh, yep. But gives you a really cool and unique perspective with everything sustainable, which is your you know, your, your mouthpiece right now. It's everything that you're about, and it's everything that AJR uh, is about as well. So let's yeah. just dive right into that, right? You're you're in the city, which for all intents and purposes is one of the first to really feel the effects of everything pandemic and COVID, right? You guys yeah. kind of go into lockdown, you don't get to travel. I mean, everyone else is still kind of figuring out if, if this is real, if it's going to affect me. And you are almost day one, boom, this is, this is real kind of thing. Yeah, it was so real so quickly for us that even before the city went into lockdown, we had a meeting uh, with our managers and they said, you know, we're going to need to figure out what to do this year because this is a real thing. Are we going to do a bunch of virtual shows? Are we going to do drive-in shows? What what are we going to do? And we said, well, we really don't want to make an album because we just made an album and we wanted to go on tour. But you know what? We made an album anyway, because what else? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, OK Orchestra, which just came out a few weeks ago. It is the masterpiece that all of us were hoping that it would be. Uh, I do want to touch on the music uh, real fast because we do have important things to talk about with everything you're doing from Sustainable Partners. But way less sad, the music video, which you guys got to film at what I think is one of the coolest hidden gems in New York City, uh, the TWA Hotel, which has this crazy history to it, you know. And I'm a huge aviation geek. Uh, I was living in Manhattan and Hell's Kitchen right when COVID hit. So I, I went back to Chicago to see my family, but I, I've desperately missed visiting this very cool, what's essentially an airport terminal converted into a hotel now, but you guys filmed the music video there. It was amazing. It was stepping right back into, I don't know, the 60s, 70s, oh, yeah. something. Easy. It was beautiful. And it looked like the hotel was empty when we were filming there, but it was actually filled with people. So we needed to just film around people because they wouldn't shut it down for us. But they right. said, yeah. You can film, but we're not going to stop everyone from walking through your shot. So we were there for so long just to get a couple oh of shots. Um, right. They're but, like, oh, these YouTubers or these vloggers, they're always doing something, some antic. Exactly. Yeah. I'm surprised we uh, didn't film more TikTok dances while we were there. It would have been a perfect location. Yeah. Missed opportunity, man. For those that don't know, you know, it's this crazy historical airport terminal at JFK in New York. Uh, and then, you know, as TWA, the airline, which used to be this massive, you know, United Airlines, American Airlines level airline kind of fell. The terminal went into disarray basically for 10 plus years. It just sat dormant. Uh, it was used for a ton of movies, you know, Catch Me If You Can famously, those long haul hallways but the hallways that you guys are primarily filming in is the the main connection between the hotel 
and the airport itself. So I can only imagine just like the chaos of trying to film basically a live shot where people are like, I'm late for a flight, so can you please move? Yeah, it was insane. And the number of fans that just happened to be there and were actually filming, because it was before Way Less Sad was released, but we needed to play the song on a small speaker so we could like sing along to it. People were filming it and getting the song in their video. So we needed to say, oh, please just don't post it online. We don't want to reveal the song before it comes out. So that was- Oh my gosh, that's that's wild, man. Well, congratulations on all the success of the visuals. You know, AJR has always been so awesome with everything, music video and everything you do from just beyond the music itself standpoint as well as, of course, the the masterpiece that is OK Orchestra. Don't you love it? Don't you love it? No, I ain't happy yet. But I'm way less sad. Don't you love it? Don't you love it? No, I ain't happy yet. But I'm way less sad. Huge fan of the Overture, too. I mean, that's just something you don't really... Yeah, I, I'll rephrase that. I, you don't hear on albums anymore. And it's just such a cool... I think the last person I can think of that's done something similar is like a John Bellion. You know, he's kind of done kind of that. Let's bring in all these songs of, of the entire piece. It's very Broadway musical, um, old big band themed. And I am a huge, huge, huge fan. Really am. So are we. We loved going to Broadway growing up and we hope it comes back soon. But it's it's a huge inspiration for us, that mix of, you know, storytelling and theatricality. We like to do that on the album, but we also like to bring it into the live show, too. And I mean, today we announced a tour. So hopefully that tour will actually happen and we'll be back on the road in 2022. And you'll see yeah. a whole bunch of that theatricality woven into the show. Cannot wait. I mean, everything from just, you know, some of the, the appearances and performances you've guys gotten to do remotely through, you know, the pandemic and through COVID, everything from I'm always a fan of how, uh, you know, I would assume just because it's usually Ryan is the one explaining it. He's it's he loves the idea of like breaking down the tracks live on stage because you guys have done that for a couple different tracks. But just more recently, bang, when you explained how you got the voice of the New York subway to go, here we go, like. Just cool. Just cool stuff, man. Really is. We, we, we love that kind of thing. We love bringing the fans into the experience of making the music with us because it takes them along our journey and they can see that, yeah, we did make everything in our living room or our bedroom. You know, if you get a computer and a microphone, like you can actually just do it yourself if you, yeah. if you have that creative drive. Well, let, let's just briefly, we don't have to spend a whole lot of time on it, but let's go through that journey real fast. You know, correct me if I'm yeah. wrong, but I'm pretty sure I got most of these facts straight. I've talked to you guys a lot. Yeah. Uh, you know, you started street performing. You grew up in New York, in the Chelsea area. You bounced around a little bit, but you guys were literally just hitting the parks, hitting the subways, going, let's just play music. Let's see if we can get some attention, right? And then exactly. that evolves to you guys recording music, which was it, was it Jack or was it Ryan that tweeted Sia? It was Ryan that tweeted Sia. He and I were in a class together at Columbia studying, uh, it was a psychology class. So he um, wasn't paying was- attention at all. <laughs> taking notes for both of us and he yes. did so terribly on the final but it's okay because Sia you know connected with us right and then on that evolved into you guys getting to basically expand your musical careers I think it's such an interesting take to you know um First of all, it's a risk. It is when when someone finds any kind of success with a single, with a, a YouTube video, with a viral video, with meeting someone like Sia, you know, you get introduced to very important people very fast and they go sign on this dotted line. Nothing could go wrong. And you guys kind of avoided that. And, and you navigated your entire career since then as being independent artists and doing it very, very well. But I heard you in a recent interview saying like the biggest benefit of this was Bang has been on the radio for over a year now. 
that wouldn't have happened if you were signed on a label. That just it, not because the labels have bad intentions; they just don't have the patience for it. Yep, and I firmly believe that. So, at a major label, they'll go and they'll push a song really hard, and they'll put a ton of effort behind it. But if it's not succeeding immediately, they'll give up on it, move on to the next thing. Because the major labels have, you know, the Taylor Swifts and the Shawn Mendes and the Ariana Grandes and the Justin Biebers. They have such a flow of, of artists and they just want as many hits as possible. But with us, because we've built this team that is really focused on building AJR, not just as a song or a series of songs, but as a band, they are willing to take the time and energy and work a song for a year, which is so rare in the industry. But we want to keep doing it that way. We, we like that energy. We like people that care about every single song. Not that other people don't, but our, our team is just so dedicated to every little bit of everything that we're doing. And we're so fortunate to have built that over the last decade. Right. And well, and with any kind of career, but music specifically, it is a very customized thing. You know, some people do much better with the label structure. There's nothing against that, but it does take a certain level of patience for independent artists and, you know, labels and big music and major, major record labels don't always have that. And I think that's a really good transition to everything sustainability, right? You know, you want to see results immediately. You want to see them fast. You want to know that what you're doing day in, day out is paying off. And everything about sustainability is kind of the opposite of that, at least in the immediate, like, show me results sort of way. Absolutely. It's super difficult to see results really quickly. And I mean, there's so many different people and, and groups that we need to get engaged from governments to businesses to individuals to nonprofits, and each of them have different ways of getting engaged. And yes, on the governmental level, you'll see policy change happen like that. If, if Biden introduces a new policy and it gets signed into law, it'll happen pretty quickly. But on the individual level, yeah, I'm going to switch to using this canvas bag over this plastic bag. What real effect is that, um, is that going right. to have? And not going to see it instantaneously. Yeah. Or when you go to Starbucks and you bring your own cup and say no straw, but then five people right next to you are doing the exact opposite. How do you feel good about that? You know, you go, okay, well, I just got stepped all over. We're not making light of it. We're just, we're explaining it is frustrating, you know, Yeah. which, you know, let's do the quick elevator pitch. You know, uh, people are trying to educate themselves in real time, myself as well, with everything sustainability. Let's explain. And I love how you've explained it a little bit before. So I kind of want to pocket that for this why it's more than just climate change. What is sustainability? Yeah. So sustainability is this kind of umbrella term that encompasses everything from climate change to inequality to education, gender equality, um, health and well-being, life on land, life underwater. And the point is that all of these things are interconnected. We can't fully achieve you know, preventing climate change without focusing on inequality and in education. We can't fully achieve, you know, the ability to put everybody into school if we're not looking at biodiversity and the health of the oceans. So all of these areas are interconnected. And so when you're saying that you want to fix climate change, for me, the first step is always education. And that's what we like to do with our fans as much as possible. Give them all of the information so they can make the decisions for themselves because if you're kind of berating somebody over and over, you need to do this, you need to do this, it's going to eventually just turn into background noise in their head. So what we, yeah. what we like to do and what I like to do is focus on the positive side of things, the excitement side of things. And so one of the things I like to talk about is how we need to re-excite the climate movement. Yes, all of us have seen, you know, that there are forest fires everywhere and that the glaciers mm -hmm. are melting. And we're going to be underwater. And all of that is true. 
but it's not creating enough change quickly enough. And from my, uh, from my perspective, what we need to do is take excitement, take people's energy and, and turn that into change. And that's a lot of what I've learned in the music industry and what I've learned from being as part of AJR. There is so much excitement and so much you know, energy in places like music and like sports and like fashion. And if we can take that energy and borrow the strategies from the music industry and apply them to the climate movement, that's how we're going to make some real differences. And I want to rewind just a second because some people might not fully sure. understand why, you know, poverty is related to sustainability at all. And the quick short answer is sustainability has kind of a pay gate right now. It, it is a privilege for someone to say, hey, I'm going to only use this cup or, or shop at this place or do this kind of thing when, you know, people aren't all making the, there's a huge pay gap. You know, people can't afford to do those things right away. And, and that comes yep. back to, you know, universal budgets and incomes and, and, you know, the whole Andrew Yang thing that we could that could fix a lot of this in real time. Absolutely. I mean, Andrew Yang's universal basic income is a great solution that will start to elevate the people who are living in poverty so they can start to make the choices that are more sustainable as opposed to, you know, when they go to a store, all they're thinking about is, OK, what's the cheapest thing so I can make sure that I can get from paycheck to paycheck? Yeah. But the other thing is that climate change disproportionately affects people of color and low income communities. A lot of the times the way cities are built, when sea levels rise, it is going to flood the lower income communities first. Lower income communities are built around highways. They're built around, you know, power plants where they're going to have a lot of pollution and it's, it's going to affect them first. So addressing the inequality solution and addressing the climate change solution are two sides of the same coin. Let's bring sustainability into like first steps. Okay, so we're, we want to turn this argument of yelling at each other into a conversation. That's how any progress yeah. anywhere in all of life has ever been made, right? Now we're starting to understand, okay, now I know why this is important. Now I'm on board. Now I want to start to change things in my life. We're not saying stop taking showers immediately, never wash your clothes again. You know, you don't have to throw all of that out the window, become radical right off the bat. But what are, you know, some really good step ones for people that go, okay, I, I want to do my best. I want to put my best foot forward. What can I do? I would say the first thing is where you're getting your electricity from. And I know that sounds like a, a very weird thing to say, you, you need to change where you're getting your electricity from, mm -hmm. but it's incredibly easy. When you get your electric bill, for most companies now, there's a little box at the bottom of your electric bill that you can check that says, I want to get my electricity from renewable resources. It doesn't cost you a dime extra. It just tells the electric company that they should be getting the, the electricity that comes into your home from solar or wind or hydroelectric. That's something mm -hmm. so easy. And then you know that in your house, your electricity is being powered by a renewable resource. It is incredibly easy and doesn't cost you anything. That's step yeah. one. Step two is telling everybody else around you that they should be doing the same thing. As much change as you can make as an individual, it's more about you influencing your family, influencing their community, influencing your school or your workplace, influencing the larger corporate entity, influencing the city, the state, the country. That's how the change is going to be made. Because remember the straw campaign a few years ago? You know, there was a straw campaign where there was a picture of a turtle and there was a straw up the turtle's nose. And while that did so much in terms of changing people's um, approach to, to plastic straws. They started to go for paper straws. What that eventually did was it wasn't about the individual. It was about the corporations starting to make the change. And now a lot of businesses are only offering paper straws or bamboo straws or metal straws. So mm -hmm. that 
campaign is proof that small individual actions can end up forcing companies to make large scale change about something. What I've always loved too is, is you are a huge echo chamber of the fact that, you know, just because you have a platform or you're famous or you're accredited or whatever it may be, that's only so good as it is to reach one person. You know, you can only reach one person within a fandom. And then if they take that and talk to people that have never heard of AJR in this case or never heard of Adam and they trust that person because it's their brother, that's, you know, the, the snowball effect here. That's where it comes from. It doesn't matter if Justin Timberlake's preaching something to 20,000 people. 20,000 people is a drop in the bucket, you know, when it comes to actual making change in this kind of a, an industry and this, in this world, too. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, that's the whole idea of the micro-influencer. You know, everyone's heard of influencers online and yes, they have massive reach, but micro-influencers are the ones that have the strongest connections. They're the ones that, you know, can really help to convince their family and their friends. Because if you're online and you're looking at an Instagram account, you're much more likely to follow the opinion of your mom or your dad or your brother or your sister or your friend mm. than you are of like a Justin Timberlake, like you said. So you as an individual have so much more power over that small group of people to influence. If we can get those micro influencers on board, that's what where the real change is going to come from. And to give you an example, somebody who came to one of our shows, I guess it was back in 2019, it was a, a young woman somewhere in the in the Midwest. I can't remember exactly where it was. But she came up and said, I watched your video about sustainable touring. I saw that you guys use bioplastic as silverware. And so I went back to my school and I said, bioplastic is not that much more expensive than the silverware that we just throw away in the lunchroom. Can we transition to bioplastic? And she went through all the different levels. And now her entire school only uses bioplastic wow. silverware. And that... One person who heard something from our video making a school-wide difference, that mm -hmm. makes all the difference to me to see that what we're doing is actually working. Right. I mean, just letting your mind go there, fathoming the possibilities, you know, maybe that school influences the rest of the district, then that district influences the rest of the school board, you know? It's just exactly. not, not to make light of someone coming up to you and saying, oh my God, I love your music, but that had to be a whole other level of, wow, this is, this yeah. is a cool moment. Yeah, it was incredible that something that took us 30 minutes to film, um, 30 minutes, 30 seconds <laughs> to film and post online. <laughs> you know, we use bioplastic and we just, we chose that over regular plastic. The fact that that can make such a large scale difference is incredible. You're kind of caught in this dichotomy, right? Because tours at their core on paper are one of the most wasteful things you can do if not done properly when it comes to being sustainable. You know, the, the amount of energy, the amount of fuel, the amount of plastics that are thrown out traditionally at these kind of shows is mind boggling. And you guys have, have put more than one foot forward to, to fix that between carbon offsetting, which, you know, at the end of the day only does so much, you know, it, it does help, but it, that carbon's still going into the atmosphere. Yeah. So when, we're getting past this pandemic, hopefully, you know, looking at the shred of light at the end of the tunnel and you guys are able to start playing shows again. What are you going to be doing differently moving forward with AJR shows? So that's a great question. And it's something that we're working on right now. Oh, cool. We have this 
interesting technological solution to help make touring more sustainable. And I can't reveal too much about it now because it's still in like the very early engineering experimental phase. But aside from that, there's so much we can do from, you know, the types of lights we use. LED lights, even in your home, LED lights are a much more sustainable choice. We can do the same thing on stage. And so we're going to do that with our video wall. We're going to do that with our moving lights, even the kind of food that we have at catering. Uh, backstage of the shows and the food that we have at the vendors, we're going to make sure there's always vegetarian options, that it's not being shipped over from China and other places, which makes your carbon footprint enormous, as local as possible. But the biggest thing is partnering with our promoters and the venues to, again, just like it works at home, they can check a box and say they want their electricity to come from a renewable resource. So we're making sure all of our partners on the tour are doing the same thing. It's it's not enough. You're you're right. It's not enough. And there's a band um, like like the Lumineers. They did a great job on their last tour. They offset all of the carbon, not just for their tour, but for all of the fans that came to their tour, for all of the cars that went back and forth from their homes. And that's wow. great. But like you said, offsets are not a perfect solution. There are also bands like Coldplay who have said we are not going to tour at all until we can do it completely carbon neutrally. And I kind of take a different approach. I say, look. Let's get on the road because to be in front of those hundred thousands, uh, hundreds of thousands of fans, educating them on this issue, that's going to make the biggest difference. Mm-hmm. Yes, we are putting carbon into the atmosphere from from being on our tour, and it is a problem, and we're working to address that. But even convincing one one hundredth of the fans that come out to the shows to make a difference in their own community, like the the young woman who made a difference in her school, that's going to have so much more of an effect. Mm-hmm. This is going to sound super nerdy for a second, but I'm, I'm a pilot, general aviation. Uh, so there's two types of speeds you achieve when you're taking off on a plane, right? You have VX or you have VY. VX is best angle of climb, VY being best rate of climb. So the difference is for best angle of climb, you know, you're getting higher, faster, but you're not going as far. Where with VY, you have a more shallow angle of attack. Uh, so you're not gaining as much altitude as fast, but there's more ground covered, you're going further. So to put it into terms of what you're talking about, uh, VX is getting over that initial obstacle. In this case, that's kind of like the, I'm not touring until this happens, and we need immediate change kind of thing. Is that more beneficial to, you know, taking off slower, maybe changing slower uh, over time, but then maybe that achieves better systemic change too? with all of this as well. That was probably kind of clunky how I explained it a little bit, but you know. No, it was great. It was a perfect analogy. The problem is we don't know the answer because the issue is still being constructed as we're trying to find solutions for it. There are so many businesses and countries around the world that are pouring just as much fossil fuels and putting just as much carbon into the atmosphere. So in in your, your angle example, it's hard to tell how big the problem is. It's hard to tell how steep you need to go in order to get over it. But also Coldplay is a is a, an example of a band that, you know, will continue to make money and doesn't need to tour at the moment right. to continue funding their projects. Small mm-hmm. bands that, that make, you know, a few hundred dollars a night from playing in clubs, they need to keep doing because that's how they make a living. So depending on what position you're in, you know, that's also going to affect the choices that you're making. Different responsibilities within your position, for sure. I want to talk about the, the podcast for a second. Planet Reimagined. Season one is fully on uh, on all of your Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you get your podcast platforms. 
Uh, you've had some really incredible guests. I like the uh, a couple of the episodes you kind of take almost a, I don't want this to sound boring when I say the word news, but like a news programming approach where rather just one extended conversation, it's multiple guests within an episode, uh, which is really cool. I thought, you know, the episode where you were explaining how sports and sustainability are intertwined and how they can help one another, that was beyond interesting. And for someone that goes, okay, maybe I want to be a good person, but maybe I don't have as much interest in this as I know I should. And I'm kind of guilty about it. There are ways for you to get interested because I promise your interests are related to this in everyday life. And the podcast itself, too, a little fun fact, if you don't know and you're a huge fan of AJR music, there's a lot of little never heard sounds of AJR music within the podcast episodes as well. You know, Jack and Ryan are producing little clips for that. Is that a fun little side project for them as well? Yeah, yeah. They liked listening to the first couple episodes and saying, okay, I want it to be like a mix of this style and this style. So they were inspired by the the content of the podcast too, to create the music for it. But it, it's exactly what you said. It's yes, if you really want to get technical, we have an episode with somebody named Jeff Sachs who helped to write the sustainability initiatives of the UN. But if you really care about sports, we have an episode about sports. We have one on music. We have, we have one on food. There's an entomophagist on on the one on food and an entomophagist for people who don't know is somebody who eats bugs so if you want to know what that is like you might not because it's gross but if you do want to know what that's like we have an episode on food the next season will be starting this summer wow that's so cool and it's something that i i correct me if i'm wrong here but probably wasn't the first project on your mind prior to the pandemic that was more of a result of being at home and going, okay, can, I can only study for my PhD so much before I go absolutely insane right now. How can I start to do something? Yeah, it absolutely would not have happened had the pandemic not happened. In some ways, you need to be slightly thankful for the time and the energy that you have now and the the yeah. inspiration, even though you weren't able to get, we weren't able to get back on the road and touring. It allowed us to do so many other things. Ryan and Jack are working on this Broadway show right now that I can't tell you that much more about aside from the fact that it's a Broadway show. That it's a show um, that is may or may not be made for Broadway. Exactly, exactly. And like like you said, I'm finishing up my my degree and doing this podcast and a few other things. So we like to do these these projects that are kind of in orbit of music, mm-hmm. but no matter what, we're just gonna keep coming back to music and going on tour and, and making more and more albums. Well, it's a perfect symbology too. You know, the triangle has been such a strong symbol of AJR and of you guys as brothers. And that's kind of how everything continues to evolve with you guys too. It's very cool to see. Uh, it's it's awesome to see. I want to say the the finally achieved deserved success of AJR. But as someone, I think I was one of your first radio run interviews way back when, you know, and to see you guys, people are like, oh, have you heard this band that they have a song called Bang on the Radio? I'm like, I don't want to sound like the cool kid, but <laughs> I've been here for a minute. It's yeah. it's very cool. And I mean, more importantly, it's it's incredible to see what you're using your platform for, how you can create real change with it. Real quick, give me the rundown, Sustainable Partners, Inc. People want to know more. How can they get involved? How can they educate Hit me. So Sustainable Partners is about bringing together three different worlds that wouldn't necessarily work together on sustainability. It's the academic world through our academic fellowship, which happens every summer and you can apply for. It's our corporate partnerships through our advertising initiative. A quick story on that. What we do is we work with businesses to have their ads on social media incentivize people to do good action. So if you're watching a YouTube video and an ad pops up, we encourage people to watch the ad all the way through in exchange oh, for planting cool. a tree. And we yeah. did we ran these ads for AJR's last tour. And just from our fans watching the advertisements only, we planted 100,000 trees just wow. from people spending 20 seconds watching an advertisement. Right. And then the third 
the podcast, which is where individual people can come in and share information and learn information. And again, for everyone who subscribes to that podcast, we plant a tree. So it's all about the little incentives. Um, and it's, it's these worlds coming together in a way that you haven't really seen them before. So cool to see. So cool to hear about. Adam, congratulations on all of the successes in your life, not just AJR specific. Very cool to talk to you. And I can't wait to catch up soon. This was great. Thank you so much. See more of this conversation at Spout underscore podcast on IG and Twitter. Next week, Ed Sheeran spouts off. Real life things happen to me that inspired the songs. And I feel like you have to take time to let these things happen and actually live and exist. And sometimes it's all right. I was so in the the thing of just being like, every day I have to work, every day I have to achieve something. And sometimes, sometimes your day can just be existing and letting what happens happen still to come this season on the spout podcast our second conversation with bts luke bryan dixie d'amelio and addison ray it sounded like someone fell off of my bed like or like was in my room so i was like i woke up horrified because i thought someone broke in my room and then i and then after i looked over and didn't see like anything i was like did someone fall through the roof of like their i'm in an apartment so i was like did someone fall through their roof be sure to listen to the next spout podcast on apple Podcasts, spotify or wherever you get your podcast the spout podcast is presented by alpha media produced by gorilla sound and created by phil becker spout